just a great joy to be here. It really is. And I'm uh, very honored by the, by the words you speak. You're very honoring people and uh, a bit overwhelming, really. And uh, I think sometimes, I think as I look at the keys of what's really helped me in, the, in ministry over, the, over, over many years, it's been to hunger for the power and presence of God. I've never lost that. When I first got that hunger for God, I've never lost it. In fact, I could tell you honestly now, the hunger is stronger now than it's ever been at any point in my life. I refuse to draw back and rest. And this is a real challenge for us in the West is uh, if we aren't having fresh encounters with God, we stagnate. When you stagnate, you're living out of yesterday's experience and revelation and encounter, and it isn't gonna take us through what we need today. So uh, I'm really hungry for God, and I'm caught between loving to help people and minister to people and wanting to just get home and be with God again. Just <laughs> and away from it. I've got a great, uh, I've got one of my spiritual sons here, and uh, Pastor Saras Mani, who's from uh, uh, Penang. If I can welcome, he's come to be with me, and, and uh, he, he follows me around everywhere. And, and I go to his church to help me, building an outstanding church, Audacity Church. Isn't that a great name? Audacity. Who'd have the audacity to call their church that? You know, and when I went there, he gave me a shirt, you know, audacity and a cap audacity, which I wear around now. It's great. And uh, just great to be in this church. It's got such an atmosphere of God. Love what you preach. It was just really inspiring. Come out of the heart of God. Just, it's just something to touch and lift us up because otherwise we stay contained. And it's hard after you've been in ministry for a while to actually come to admit I've been contained. I've lived within limitations when it can be bigger. So I found that one of the ways you get bigger is you hunger for it. Another way is you find people who are bigger and get near them. And it forces you into a place of enlargement. So I've intentionally connected to bigger ministries. And even in this season of my life, when I got people who want to, to connect with me, I've wanted to connect with someone who could lift my uh, vision and faith to a whole new dimension. And it's happening at this journey. So the last couple of years, I've been in a great personal growing journey as well. And I'm loving it so much. Just absolutely so wonderful. So great joy to be with you. I want to share some messages on, uh, I want to share today just on the importance of the power of God, the importance of the power of God in the ministry of deliverance. Uh, and I'm, I'm passionate about this because I see the lack in Western churches everywhere. And yet I see in some parts of the world such a hunger for it. As in Taiwan, people are up at 4 a.m. to line up for meetings to encounter the power of God. And uh, they were hungry. It was sold out, a uh, 6,000 uh, person conference sold out two months ahead. And people lined up at 4 a.m. You know, and the thing you feel is, oh God, there's such a hunger here. Such a hunger. And I remember going to that meeting. I thought, well, I want to encounter God. I want to get hungry, more hunger for God than ever. And uh, I came away just deeply touched. So let's just, the need for deliverance and the power of God. I want to just share some scriptures around this, open up and talk about this here. I move around and minister in a lot of places to a lot of churches. I've, uh, God has given me favor. I've, I've been able to minister into the top levels in some places, in the pop field, in the government field, in, in, uh, in financial areas with people who are significant people in the financial realm. I've had opportunities to minister into churches, to pastors, to leaders, all kinds of things, but I've, I've maintained a simplicity of life to just still connect with ordinary people and not be caught up with ministry hoo-ha. You know, we've got to maintain just the simplicity of being a son of God, a representative of our Father who just loves people. And uh, so uh, I, I've had such, and, and I've seen as I've gone around just the tremendous 
ache and need their risen people for the power of God. And I feel so grieved that the Western church is dressing it up to look good and people inside are dying because they've got their suffering so much. I'm probably breaching the converted here, but let me just go through. Uh, just, we start off in the, uh, just uh, in, in Acts 10, verse 38. It says, Jesus was anointed, Jesus of Nazareth, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Holy Ghost and power. See? So that's what's needing. We need, if we're going to follow his ministry, we need to actually walk in the same path he walked. We need to have encounters with God. We need to be anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Went about healing, doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Now in the Western church, it's very, it's very common for people just to ignore that part altogether, like it wasn't there. Yet it's one of, the, one of the miracles of the kingdom that Jesus introduced was the ministry of deliverance. The Old Testament, you're aware they put people to death who were defiled by demons. Uh, in the New Testament, thank God, Jesus come and said, I want to demonstrate and bring this thing out into the open so you can see what I carry is greater than what's hidden. I want to flush it out, bring it out in the open so you can see what you're really up against. It's not all in the mind. It's actually a spiritual reality, a spiritual warfare. It's unseen. I'm going to make it visible for you. So it says, everywhere he went, he healed all who are oppressed. The word oppressed means to use spiritual force and hold someone down against their will. They want to be up. They want to be free. They want to be out of that place, and they can't be. They can't be because something invisible in the spirit world has got a hold of their life. And I find this ever, even coming in today, just a testimony. As I walked in the door, a wonderful, beautiful lady spoke to me how for all these years she's been a Christian. By faith, she had to believe that God loved her. And after she was delivered of a generational spirit of hatred towards women, that she felt the love of God for the first time. You imagine that. Well, I want to honor her for 30 years without any kind of feeling of the love of God, believing the Word of God and holding it. But how much better if the power of God sets people free from those hidden spirits and then they actually experience what they're believing. It moves from now. It's not just something I know about. Now I've tasted. I've tasted of it. See, and so I find this is true for people everywhere. And, uh, and so I have such a burden for people to be set free. So uh, the supernatural is absolutely essential to meet the needs of people. We, we can't meet the needs that people have without the supernatural power of God. The needs are too deep. As we, the society right now is experiencing right across the world what you'd call an orphan spirit. It's like the, the, the societies all over, the cultures all over the world are suffering from a lack of fathers. It's in the church, it's in the culture, and it's growing in intensity as there's an attack even on gender identity and the whole issue of our identity, who we are, it's all being eroded. And the church in the midst of it doesn't seem to catch hold of the need that God in the midst of this is restoring apostolic, he's restoring fathering back to the church. He's bringing revelation of his heart as a father. He's bringing revelation of our sonship. And with that sonship comes authority to represent him. So if we look, and I'll touch on this over the, three, the, the couple of days I'm here, if you look at uh, three major themes that I find flowing in the Bible and flowing specifically in Jesus' ministry, and one was uh, he came to reveal the Father and to offer the invitation for us to be sons of the living God. So the fatherhood of God is a predominant theme in Jesus' ministry. He said, I came to reveal the Father. 
The second thing you find is his whole ministry, he mentions the church very little. He talks about the kingdom of his father. His whole ministry thrust is about the kingdom, the rule, the power, the, 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 the rule of God advancing in the earth through his ministry. And then finally, you see right through his ministry, the power of God is evident everywhere. And when you look from one end of the Bible to the other, you'll find those same things are there, present all the way. So I'm going to touch into those. I want to specifically, in this session, focus on the need for deliverance and the power of God. Eh? The need for it. Supernatural is part of the foundation of the church. It was born in the supernatural, birthed in the supernatural. It's foundation. The, ch the person we come to represent is a supernatural God. If you take the supernatural away from God, can you call him God still? Think about that. If the God we serve is not supernatural, above and beyond the natural realm, able to intervene in the natural realm and bring solutions to problems people can't face, is he really a God that we would serve? So what happens is, is people, when you remove the supernatural, then you take away a foundation of the church. The church from one end of the Bible to the other has always been characterized by the supernatural, by the power of God doing miracles, by God intervening, coming, bringing breakthroughs, people's lives being changed. I had a girl come up to me in our church just recently. She said, Pastor, look at this. Look at this. He said, and she showed me a picture. It's, it's two x-rays. She said, here's my x-ray before I received prayer. And she got an x-ray and it's got metal plates in the back. Then it shows you, she said, here's the other one now. It's been taken since I was prayed for and the metal plate had vanished. There's no cut, there's no incision except for when the plate was put in. Now the plate is gone. She said, I can bend over freely. Before I was stiff from where they put the plates in. My back is totally freed up. I had a young, young guy come up in an altar call. And uh, he, he came up on a word of knowledge that his shoulder was uh, in pain, trouble in the joint. And, uh, but as he came, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. He's supernatural. Otherwise, we're going to pray and just bless him. See, and the Lord said, he's struggling with bitterness. This is a spirit of infirmity. So it's not just a pain in the shoulder that can't be fixed by any medical practitioner. There's a spirit of infirmity sits in behind it, yeah. driving it, causing the problem. If it's a spiritual problem, you can only deal with a spiritual solution. You can't resolve demonic problems by counsel. You can't dissolve them by therapy. You can't dissolve them by pills. They won't go away. It needs the power of God. It needs deliverance. It needs the ministry of Jesus. And so he came up and I said, uh, um, tell me, how do you get on with your father? And he said, oh, I love my dad. I'm thinking, oh, well, okay, help me out here, Lord. I'm out on the edge. And, uh, and I said, oh, your father's a businessman, isn't he? He travels all over the place. He said, that's right. I said, isn't it true he's been away for a lot of your life and especially the important events? He said, that's true. I said, the Lord show me that you've really become angry and resentful at being away and it's grown to bitterness and a spirit of infirmity has entered your life. This problem is a spirit of infirmity rooted in the bitterness against your father. I said, is this true? He said, it's true. I said, well, look, before I pray for you, I want you to repent of harboring bitterness and disappointment and forgive your father, then I'll pray for you. So he, he prayed just openly in front of everyone. I prayed, immediately the spirit of infirmity left him, his shoulder become free. And then he said, he said, wait a minute, he said this to me. He said, Pastor, yesterday I went to the doctor. He said, I didn't just have pain in my shoulder. I've got it in all my joints and right down my back. My back is stiffening. And the doctor said, by the age of 40, I won't be able to bend over. That is major stuff. He needed deliverance. 
I can spend the whole day telling stories of Christians who needed deliverance. They are everywhere at every level. It doesn't matter whether they're pastors or whoever. People need the miracle power of God or we try to behave and perform over the unresolved issues we carry in our life. I'm a great, passionate person for God's power to touch people. People needed the power of God. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4, after his disastrous attempt in Athens where he tried to use reasoning on the Greeks, he said, I've determined now to, to rest in the power of God, that your faith may rest in the power of God. Of God and the demonstration and the power of God and not in the wisdom of men. He said, I've come, my message is about Christ, it's about what he's done, the cross of Christ, it's about the power of God and the demonstration of the power of God. And, and we see very strongly his, his, uh, his presentation everywhere he went, power of God, power of God, power of God touched lives. So are you committed to grow in that dimension? When we come into the things of God and get baptized in the Spirit, we get a, a measure of anointing and power. Now, for many people, what they start off with, they soon lose and they, start, they stop operating. We need to be quite intentional about developing the dimension of the Spirit around our life. Pastor Tim talked about capacity. One of the great ways you grow your internal capacity is through praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues when you couple it with meditation on the Word of God, will cause your spirit's capacity to arise and expand. There are a lot of ways you can grow your spirit, but Ephesians 3.16, Paul's prayer is that we would be strengthened with dunamis in the inner man by the Holy Ghost. So it's a Holy Ghost increasing us so that we can become filled with more of God. So you want more of God, get into prayer. Get into fight. Do the things that will bring it. So let's have a look at the ministry assignment of Jesus. If we look in Luke chapter 4, the ministry assignment, we are called, he said, the works I do, you will do also. In other words, Jesus began to do the works. We are to continue to do the works. And so have a look in Luke chapter 4 and uh, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. So for many people, the anointing is just something they want to enjoy. They want more anointing. They come up an altar call and pray for me. Give me more anointing. But anointing is always for assignments. Anointing is always for an assignment. All through the Bible, when men were given an assignment, the anointing came on them to fulfill the assignment. So what people want today is they want more touches of God without actually embracing the assignment and purpose of God and the lifestyle needed to fulfill the purpose. So there's no exception to it. Anointing is given for assignments. And so if you're a son, daughter of the living God, God has an assignment for your life. It was prepared before you were even born. Ephesians 2 tells us, that uh, it says we are his workmanship, his fine masterpiece created in Christ for good works that God prepared beforehand we would walk in them. So which came first, us or the works? See, the works were planned by God, unique to you. There are some things that only you can do. Some people you will meet that no one else here will meet. There are some situations you'll go into that no one else can go into. God has put passions in you, desires in you, giftings in you, made you quite unique so you don't need to compare with anyone else. He's not only that, he's got an assignment unique to you. Your role is to have a relationship, discover the assignment, and commit to the lifestyle that will bring you into the power of God to fulfill your assignment. 
Jesus was anointed for an assignment. We saw it already in, in Acts 10.38. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of power, uh, uh, the power and Spirit of God is upon him. Why? Anointed to do something. It's always to do something. Always to accomplish something. And so Jesus then describes his, his assignment. Now, we're, we're, we extend that assignment. So he says, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Or in other words, to break the barriers of sin and bring people into revelation of God as a loving father and bring them home as sons into his family. Right, yeah. See, there's a lot more than just praying a sinner's prayer in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about coming into our identity, being restored as a son. Secondly, you notice, in order for that, God's desire is for intimacy. He wants intimacy with you. He is passionate about intimacy with us. He longs for deep intimacy. There are realms of God to be revealed to you that you will delight in. David, David said, what? now David is a mighty military commander, and in Psalm 27, 4, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Right. You ever stop to think what that looked like? It's talking about encounters with God where he experiences his beauty and magnificence. He was a man who was intimate with God. He sought intimacy. Yeah. Now, to discover, to be intimate with someone, you have to share yourself. Right. See, now, if your heart is broken, you won't share yourself. Your heart is broken, you will build walls to protect yourself being hurt anymore. In this world, in the church, everywhere are people with broken hearts. How do they get broken? What does that mean to have a broken heart? It means their capacity to enter relationship has been damaged by disappointment, by betrayal, by abuse. It's to do with capacity to become intimate, capacity to love capacity to connect and it's been damaged and inhibited greatly because of painful experiences often they come in families that are dysfunctional even in good families where the expectation the parents can't meet the expectation or need only God can and so I find of all the things when I find problems with people in marriages I look back to the journey they've taken and you find every time there is a broken heart somewhere there is grief there are walls that have been built. There's bitterness. There's unresolved judgments. There's issues in the heart that are keeping people out from intimacy. So God's desire is not just that you make that decision and come into his family and turn up every Sunday. God's de desire, he wants to delight in you. He wants intimacy with you, wants to know you, wants you to open your heart to him. But if you're afraid and have done all you can in your life to stop being hurt, then you've got blockages. You need your heart healed. The anointing is to bring healing of the broken heart. It's to uncover where you're in pain and surface it. Now, if you're committed to controlling it all and keeping up an image, you will resist the attempts of the Holy Spirit to bring you into intimacy. Intimacy will just be like, what's that? I look around church and, 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 and when I go into meetings, one of the things I look for is the atmosphere, what kind of atmosphere is here. And the second thing I look for is the engagement, whether people engage. Now you understand, to be present and singing is not necessarily engaging. To engage is a thing from the heart. So I watch around in churches to see how extensively 
other people engaging with God? Or are their lips just saying some things and their eyes are all over here, their body's got obviously expressions of being shut down? It's very evident. You can actually see it really easily. If you just stop and have a look around, you say, oh man, wow, a lot of disconnected people here. See? Or people are really open and responsive to God. So, so God's desire is for intimacy with us. And intimacy means becoming vulnerable. And to become vulnerable, we need to allow him access to the places that are broken and hurt. Sometimes those places are in church. Sometimes the deepest wounds have taken place in the family of God. Sometimes the deepest disappointments have been with people we wanted to lead us and to show us what Father is like, and instead they betrayed us. I've been through all of those experiences. And I can tell you how they get healed. It's in the presence of God as they surface and you feel the pain. And they weep and grieve and let it go to God. You allow him access to love you back into life again. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit does that. You can't make and manufacture it. It comes up. And <laughs> I found when I, I had a season there where I was wrestling with a particular problem. The problem was I, I was struggling with a spirit of rejection around my life. I'll talk about that more tonight when we look at the roots of the orphan spirit and what to do to break out of it. And uh, what I was struggling with was a spirit of rejection. And what rejection never works alone, always works with other spirits. One spirit it works with is unbelief. You, you can't believe that God would touch you. You can't receive from God. So you can believe God will touch other people and do miracles. No problem. The problem is one for me. Can I receive one? And so that spirit will block you. So I remember that what I did was I, I made a, a decision. I would pursue God to break out of that bondage and come into freedom because I knew my life would change when I did. It took me a while to do it, and I'll share the keys tonight, how to break out of that kind of thing. And when I did, I had such an encounter with God. Just the presence of God came around me. I cried. I couldn't hardly stop crying, weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping, just feeling loved. That was the weirdest thing, feeling deeply loved. Now, the interesting thing was that, that what I didn't realize is that once you've had an encounter, then you carry the revelation inside you, and the revelation inside you is life for anyone. And then I found some weird stuff was happening. When it was weird, now it's not, it's normal because it happens to me all the time everywhere I go now, so I don't worry about it. It's not weird anymore. I, the grandkids think it's all a bit weird. Granddad does weird stuff, you know, and they love it. And I tell them, oh, I do weird stuff, you know, and I tell them all about it and I get them involved in it too. So, so what had happened, I go up to people at church on Sunday and I say, hi, how are you? Shake their hand and look in their eyes, how are you? The moment I would say, how are you, they'd cry. I'm thinking, oh, dear God, what's happened? And I, I thought, oh, man, you know, and in the end, it got so bad. So, well, it wasn't bad. It was just they were being touched by God. I was carrying something of God. It was a revelation of the love of God. It was a revelation that came out of an encounter. See? And so then every time I'd ask someone, how are you, they'd cry. And I said, what are you crying for? I don't know why. I don't know why. I just feel so loved. I'm thinking, but I haven't done anything. I just asked how you are. Then in the end, I said to Joy, I said, Look, I can't ask anyone how they are anymore because if I ask them on the way out of the church, hi, how you doing? They'd start crying. And they're like, oh no, what do I do with that? Uh, it took me a little while to realize that I was carrying an encounter with God. That's what it is. And then I realized, oh, that means now, now I need to build into that encounter and grow deeper in it so that wherever I go, I can minister out of that. 
And then I'd find it would just happen, it happens all over the place. And, and it's just people, it just becomes, the kids all laugh because whenever granddad's around people, they end up crying. They just come and talk and they end up crying for some reason. And I, I just, well, it's just life. That's what happens. You know? Because people have got broken hearts and the anointing comes to show that they're loved by Father and he wants to heal them. And when people feel that, they just cry. I remember we, in the church, I come up to one lady and she's, this is after the church is over and she's sitting there. Everyone else got up and walk around. She's sitting there. <laughs> I said, how are you? And I said, how are you? He cried more. And I think, oh, I said, I said well, what can I, can I, how can I help you? She said, I don't know what's happening. And I said, I said, well, tell me what's going on. She said, well, the moment I walked in that door, it's the first time I've come to church. It's the first time I've been here. The moment I walked in the door, I started to cry, and I haven't been able to stop since. I don't know what went on in the service. I've just been crying all service. I said, oh, you're having an encounter with God. The presence of God is here. You're being touched by God, and he's lifting up out of your heart the buried emotions of years and bringing you to a place of knowing you're loved. In spite of your failures, you're loved. He cares deeply about you, and he's available to heal you. Healing is an encounter. It's also a journey. So now welcome to the journey. We need the presence of God. We need the power of God. To heal the brokenhearted. I had a pastor come to me. He said, I want you to help me. I said, what's happened? He said, when I was seven, I was molested. And he said, I'm very successful in ministry. I've got a ministry all over the world. But he said, I'm troubled inside. So we had a session with him, prayed for him, and got him delivered of all kinds of spirits. It was a massive deliverance, screams and shouts, all kinds of stuff. It wasn't always like that, but it was this time. And anyway, I, asked, I contacted him. I always follow people up and ask how they're doing. And this is what I found. He said, my wife saw the change immediately. My kids saw the change immediately. My church saw the change immediately. And they all said to me, what's happened to you? He said, I didn't know what had happened to me. All I know is I had this massive deliverance. And he said, now I realize, he said, now I realize there is something different. I said, what's that? He said, all the voices have gone. I'm thinking a pastor who's got voices, what's that, you know? <laughs> he, said, he said, no, no, I've had voices all the time talking to me ever since I was seven, abusing me, telling me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm defiled, there's something wrong with me, no one would want me. And he said, in ministry, everyone just wants me for my gift. No one wants me for who I am. They just use me for my gift, but they don't really care about me. And he wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And he, massive deliverance. Massive deliverance. Massive freedom. He said, all those voices have stopped. It's like I'm listening for them and they're not there. So what he'd got used to in his head as being just me were actually demons that were tormenting him. The churches are full of people like that. And they keep on a good front. Unless we build an atmosphere and culture where the power of God is welcome, the Holy Spirit is welcome, and it's okay to have brokenness in your life. That brokenness is actually normal. We carry good and we carry brokenness, and both are okay. And if we will just be honest about them, then we thank God for the good, but we actually open up and let God heal the other stuff. Amen? Now, you see, you see, the problem of a church that won't build around the power of God, it'll have substitutes. 
Okay, let's just move a little further. All right, then. So, so you see here in Jesus' ministry, you see him, him preaching to gather people. You see him healing the brokenhearted. You see him setting people free of demonic spirits, all these things. So how did he prepare for that? What, what launched him into that ministry? See, how did he get into ministry? Well, you find there's a whole heap of preparation. Now, you can find it listed in various ways. I'll just pick out one part of it, and that's the part found in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, and it's found in Luke 4, verse 1, 2, and 3. I looked at it because if you read in Luke 4, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Remember, we already moved in power. Well, I want more power in my life. I want the power of God. Why do I want the power of God? Because I'm concerned about people in desperate need. I need the power of God for them. It's not for me. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is given to you for people. What God is looking is for people who carry his heart for people. And then he can trust you with the power. So if you have a look at Jesus, uh, his steps into the power of God, you find it followed a sequence of steps. And here's, I won't give him to the preparation prior to this, but I'll just pick up these steps. It says he started his ministry not by setting up a banner, putting up advertisements, getting a room in the best part of town. He didn't do it that way. Now here's how he started it. He found where the anointing was. He found who God was on. He found who was speaking the word for the hour. It was his cousin, John the Baptist. And he goes to John the Baptist and he submits himself to John's ministry. Most people today just want to launch themselves out. They don't follow Jesus' pattern. Jesus' pattern was to submit. And when John said to him, hey, listen, you know, you're greater than me. You know, you ought to be baptizing me. He said, no, we must fulfill all righteousness. I must do what's right before my Father. And if the Father has anointed you and put you in this place for this hour, I need to submit to you so I can be released into what I'm called into. And so as he submits to that, then he has his encounter. We, we just miss those things. We miss those deep things of the heart, that having a heart that's submitted to receive. You're never too old to be submitted to a ministry to receive from them. And if you've got beyond that, you're in trouble. You're now going to be contained. So even in this season of my life, I've done exactly that thing, placed myself under someone to speak into my life so I can be enlarged, because that's the principle. Yeah. So what else did he, he had the encounter, and then you notice straight away, he was led by the Spirit. So number one, he submitted and placed himself under authority to receive. Yeah. Second thing was, he surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit means letting go control, letting go your agenda. It doesn't mean you don't plan. It means you stop trying to control the world and getting uptight when it doesn't follow your plan. Jesus walked with a great grace and freedom because he was not trying to control and manage everything. I find people are so stressed out because they're trying to control the world because they're afraid. They're afraid of what will happen if they don't keep control. And that, that leads to burnout. Burnout comes because you're trying to control the world. It comes out of fear rather than out of sonship where we're satisfied God can provide for us. Wow. See? Yeah. See, when he was baptized, his encounter was with the Father. And the Father confirmed his identity. The Father affirmed his value and love. The Father affirmed his pleasure in him. And the Father gave him access to the resources. The Holy Spirit gave him the resource he needed for everything. We kind of overlook some of these things because we are familiar with the Scripture. But essentially, the Holy Spirit reveals to us all the things that are available to us freely from God. 1 Corinthians 
2 verse 12 and 14. So when he had the Holy Spirit, he had now access. So what must he do? Oh, you've got to surrender. Now, no one, when they're launching their ministry, wants to start, now listen, I think we'll just set up a big thing here and put a, no, no, no one starts, that's how people do it, but they don't start by saying, I think we'll do 40 days fasting in a desert place where there's wild animals and it's dangerous. Who, you ever heard anyone start their ministry like that? It just doesn't happen that way. But Jesus did it that way. He was, and get this, he was led by the Spirit to do it. The Spirit leads us to do things which brings us into intense relationship with God out of which ministry flows. It's the opposite to the struggling to do a show and make it all look good when it isn't good. It isn't good. I've been, I remember I went to one church in Australia. I'm not going to say I identify it. But anyway, I went to this church and man, I went in there. I was so impressed when I went in. I've never seen anything like it. I never met so many tall, leggy, blonde girls and great-looking guys and everything, lights and bells and whistles. I, never, I come from the country. I've never seen that kind of thing. Never seen that many blonde girls in one place. Any? Just, where do they find them all? All these people. I'm looking, thinking, wow, this is amazing. So I'll just get busy doing what I do. Well, blow me down. You can't believe what happened. There was just major manifestations of stuff everywhere. Just all of these beautiful people were not beautiful. It was an illusion. We were, I was impressed for a little while until we let the Holy Ghost move and then something changed. Now all the beautiful people, there's mascara, there's tears, and screaming someone wanted to kill me. It was quite different to what it looked like. See, so, so when you start to move in the supernatural, a lot of these veneers go. You realize it's not what it looks like. It's something else. If it, was, if it had substance in it, there would be passionate life and the presence of God, and we'd see things happening. People would be free instead of carefully trying to manage. Dear Lord, it's so tiring trying to manage your world. It is really tiring. That's why people break up. So... so the power of God flushes these things to the surface. People need to be free. They need to be break out of these places. So anyway, God touched them, and we had a great move of God. They actually asked me back, which was quite something, wasn't it? They don't always. The pastor's wife was aghast. She stood there, and she was shocked at what happened with so many people getting touched by God all at once. Just, and I said, this is what's been there all along. You just didn't have eyes to see it. And we needed the Holy Spirit to bring it to the surface. People just need healing. They need help. See, notice with Jesus' ministry, he was led by the Spirit. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He was led into the wilderness. And what did he do? He gave himself to prayer. If you really want to carry the power of God, you have to give yourself to prayer. There is no shortcut. If you follow Jesus' prayer life, he was up early in the morning before everyone else was up. He prayed in the afternoons. He prayed in the evening. Sometimes he prayed at night. Prayer and the hunger. Now get this. It's driven by hunger for intimacy with Father. It's driven by hunger. Not like, oh, I've got to get up and have to pray. I remember I was telling a story. We were, I was in the pastor's conference in Taiwan. And it was wives, pastor's wives. And one of them come up to Joy for counsel, my wife, come up for counsel. She said, what's happened? She said, oh, my husband won't pray. I said, oh, really? And, 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 and she said, well, what, what do you do? She said, I beat him. I said, you beat him? She said, yes, I beat him. 
he lies in bed and won't get up to pray. So I beat him until he gets up and I drive him into the prayer room. I'm thinking, man, his prayers will be filled with faith, won't they? Do you understand? You, it's passion for God drives you into prayer. Ask God for hunger. You see, the second thing that he did, the next thing he did was he fasted. It was intense fasting. Now, fasting is not very popular these days, but fasting is all through the Bible. Fasting is how Jesus accessed the power of God. I, go, I, I make lifestyle of fasting. Fasting is a part of being a man of God. If you want the presence of God, the power of God, fasting is a part of what you do. You can do partial, you can do full, you can do whatever way. It doesn't really matter so long as you follow the leading of the Spirit. So I recently did a three-week fast, just water only. And I uh, hadn't done that before. I thought, this is a new thing. I'll do this. Felt God lead me into it. And because he's leading me into it, there was grace to do it. And I did it. I couldn't believe what happened. I was so tired. There was no presence of God. I was tired. Oh, I can hardly get through a diet to have naps. I thought, this is awful. But I just stuck with it. And then week three, ah, everything changed. Everything changed. Week three, a passionate, intense longing for God started to come into my life. I began to cry out to God. I started to encounter His presence and receive fresh things from Him. But He said to go through that, just that little bit where it's uncomfortable for a while. And then the hunger for God has never left. It's just growing and growing. The hunger to fast. I mean, you'd see, see, that's why the kids think I'm weird. Because they go away and they take me out eating. I can't wait to stop the eating, get home and fast and just have times with God because I've come to enjoy it so much. See, it's not like it's a burden when there's a passion for God, a passion for Father, then you just want to be there with Him. Now, it doesn't come straight away. It comes through pursuit. You pursue until you break through, and when you break through, then it's built into your life, and it's a hunger for Him. Now I have such a hunger for him. And I found not only the hunger, but the sensitivity. I get touched more easily. I'll just read the Bible. A verse will come, or even in worship, a verse will come. And suddenly I begin to weep as I feel God talking to me. I went through Song of Solomon through that period. I got in the Passion Version. And as I read, it was like Jesus himself was talking to me. And I weep and weep that he loves us so much. Now I've had encounters with God, but it's like, oh, there's more. See, see, this is before he does any ministry. It's about the building the intimacy. He fasted. What else did he do in that wilderness? He meditated because he memorized scripture. So he meditated on the word. So I've realized this power of meditating in the word of God. Get some scriptures, memorize them, then begin to meditate on them. Make them your meditation. And the, currently I'm using a scripture that describes what God is like. And the Bible says, you know, a book of remembrance is written for those who meditate on your name. So I meditate on his name. This is who he is. Oh, you are amazing. Every now and then I'll suddenly feel the, the tears come as the revelation comes. How kind, how loving, how tender. What an amazing God he is. We need revelation of that. What else did he do? Well, he, he, there was spiritual warfare. There is always a warfare for the power of God. There is always a warfare for breaking out of limitations. There is no other way you do it. In Jude chapter three, in Jude verse three, it says, "Contend for the faith once delivered to the saints." 
In other words, they're not talking about just contending for doctrine, information. He's talking about contending for a faith that brings miracles, a faith that releases the power of God, a faith that sees lives transformed and changed, a faith that shifts things. Contend for it. Fight for it. Fight for it. And if you'll fight for it, God will come through. And the passion needs to be primarily for him. To know him, become intimate with him. And out of that, you carry his heart for people. And people feel that. It's in the middle. It flavors all you do. It flavors everything. You don't necessarily feel like you've changed, but there is a flavor, sweet flavor of the love of God through all that you do. And people feel that. They don't feel the striving. They don't feel you're trying to make anything happen. They can sense God as at work through you. And he returned in the power. Everywhere Jesus went, people came because of the miracles. Nicodemus came to him. No one could do anything like this unless God is with them. See? Gideon, if God is with us, where's the miracles? See, we, we, we stand and say, oh, well, God is here. But okay, where's the miracles? Now, I know there's an element of the presence of God, but don't settle for that when there's such need for the power to transform lives. Our young people and our, fa- and our kids have been transformed by encounters with the power of God. I'm bringing them to places where they can have experiences because once you've had tasted it, oh, it's so good. See? Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, I want more. I want more of Him. Listen, we need the power of God. We need the power of God. No, it doesn't matter how old you are, there's a new assignment. Uh, you may, see, I finished pastoring the church, hand over to my son. People say, oh, you're retired. No, no, where'd you get that from? Retired? Retired, what's that? No, no, I don't get retired. Retired in peace is what they write on your grave. No, no, not retired in peace. No, we've got a new assignment. I said, so, so, so I've been challenging people from my age and generation don't quit up and say, no, all up the young folks now, let them all do it. What nonsense is that? No, 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 no. There is a need for you to engage with this generation. To engage. My prayer is, Father, forsake me not. Now I'm a bit older and gray-haired. It's in the Bible. Until I have shown you power to this generation and the one to come. In other words, it's normal for a man and woman of God to be concerned not only for their generation, the one that's coming as well. So get a heart for the one that's coming. Start to ask God, give me that passion. Give me that fire. You look around the church, you find young people. They want someone who'll take an interest in them. You don't need a position, don't need a title. You need love in your heart. You need God in your heart. And they'll come. They draw to you because you're interested in them, because you care about them, because you take an interest in their, what they're interested in. You find it, you enter their world and they will draw from you. There's a bit of investment. I found prayer will open these opportunities. And then God can move anywhere. I'll finish with one story, then we'll have a break. My last, I I was laughing with one of my kids the other day. I said, do you want to hear the latest weird granddad story? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me another another weird granddad story. I just laugh at it. It's better just to keep it, because kids handle that better easy. I said, well, I'll tell you a weird granddad story. She said, on my way here, because we're just taking the grandchildren away on on a, some of them on a trip, just recently. Yeah, so anyway, I said, well, on the way here, I had a guy wanted to meet me in Auckland for prayer. And the pastor asked, can you pray for this guy? I said, oh, 
man, I haven't got much time to pray for him. I'm catching a plane, you know. And, he, and I said, but look, I'll tell you what, I'll fit it in. I'll check the schedule. I said, oh, it's a bit longer space than normal. Okay, I'll fit it in. Tell him to meet me at the car park. And uh, the guy contacted me. He said, well, can I take you to the church? I said, man, you take me to the church. There'll be no time to pray. We'll take all the time to get across Auckland. I said, nah, we're going to just meet in the car in the car park. Find a car park, we'll sit in the car and I'll pray for you there. And even as I said it, I thought, oh, that doesn't sound really even very good. And uh, so anyway, we got there, made him, he picked me up at the airport, so we sat in the car park and I found a supermarket car park and the security guy, taxi guy come and parked a bit near us, a bit, more than I, a bit closer than I'd like to be. And I sat there and said, well, tell us what's going on. He told me all this stuff. And I said, well, let me just pray for you because it's about time. Got to get my plane. So I prayed. Now as I prayed, he's a big fella. So as I prayed for him, we had a massive manifestation in the car. The car is rocking and shaking. He's yelling and groaning and stuff is happening there. And I daren't even look to see what the taxi driver might be looking or thinking about two guys in a car that's shaking in the car park in the supermarket. But he got massively set free. Absolutely massively set free. He said, I can't believe I'm so different. He, I, I text him, see how he's going. He said, I feel so different. I'm freed up. He said, now there's new things coming up for me to face. But you see, it's just, when we carry God, stuff can happen anywhere. We didn't turn the music on, have some nice music. We just got God with us. God with us. God with us. God with you. Isn't that what you're hungry for? Why don't we see what Jesus did and say, God, give me a hunger for you. Send me on fire again with a new hunger to carry your presence and power. Let me not settle for the complacency, the indifference, the lukewarmness, the half-heartedness. Let me become passionate in Jesus' name. Say amen. Thank you. Why don't we stand together, Lord, a clap, shall we? Come on. Let's stand and give him a clap. Give him the best clap on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's clap to him and thank him right now. Holy Ghost.